Welcome one and all once again to the first through Wilton of the Scariest Year 2016. I am joined this week by Daniel. Howdy. And Jason. Good to be back. And and, and just to throw it out there, because the only person I know who listens to this show and actually comments on our Twitter feed, uh, Mr. Turtle, it is episode 188. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We have thousands of listeners. Right? <laughs> the only one I know, he complained about us not numbering them anymore, and I felt bad, so I'm like, I'll throw it out. Because I do continue to number the files just because it's easy for me to keep track of, but I stopped numbering the episodes just because of... To reveal the wizard behind the curtain, we sometimes record and air them out of order just because certain episodes weren't topical, and it just kind of got annoying on my behalf. But yes, it's episode 188. So it's the first episode we're, we're doing in the new year. It's also the first one we've done since, I want to say, the, beach, the Game Awards. Um, but instead of focusing on news, we're really just going to play catch-up. We haven't talked about the games we've been playing in quite some time. So I figured it would be a good opportunity to see what everybody's been playing, what everybody got for Christmas. Um, so yeah, who wants to kick us off? I played, a brand, I played a, a brand new game, right? It's called not Star Wars Not Star Wars Republic 2, The Sith Lords. <laughs> <laughs> so, only... I'm actually really curious to hear about this. It's only a bit a bit of a decade old, you know. Uh, I you figured... Huh? Oh, I thought you were mobile version? About, I thought you were talking about the Old Republic uh, expansion. No, I'm talking about Not Star Wars Republic 2. That came out on the original Xbox by Obsidian Entertainment. <laughs> because um, I got off of Fallout 4 and I was like, man, I could really actually play an RPG. Like, because Fallout 4 is not an RPG. So I was like, oh, I, I, I really like Knights of Republic 1 and I always meant to play Knights of Republic 2 and it's sitting here in my Steam account. So I guess I'll just play it. So I've been playing that. Um, I bought uh, Hatterfall Boyfriend Holiday Star because I really like the first one. I haven't got around to playing it yet. And it's not Christmas anymore, so it's kind of... Uh, I kind of lost the will for that. <laughs> at the it, um, it, I, and it, I feel the same way about Christmas movies. I love them. But it's like, Christmas is over. Like, you're gone. Back yeah. to the next year. Because you can, you can technically play it now, but it's like, uh, season's over, I'll wait until December. It was supposed to be, it was something that I, was, I bought just so I could play on my laptop over Christmas, because I was going to be with family and stuff, but it just never happens. So uh, maybe, maybe this Christmas it will happen. Um, I also bought Warhammer End Times Vermintide, which is not, it's a recent release, it's not like, this week or last week or whatever, but it's it's relatively recent. And uh, after some initial sort of qualms about it, I really like it actually. It's just it's, it's it's I can't really describe it in any other way other than it's left for dead, but it's Warhammer left for dead. So you get elves and you get dwarves and you get swords and you get bows and you get crossbows and you know you get old timey guns. And you get to kill a lot of rats, and it's actually very hard. It's it's tough as nails, um, a lot harder than Left 4 Dead is. And um, 
I really like it. I mean, I'm not a fan of Left 4 Dead. Um, I'm not a fan of those kinds of games anyway because they they seem to have like an air, like false difficulty about them where it's just like, oh, we need to make this game hard now because you're about like 60% of the way through the level so we're just going to throw 100 enemies at you. And I don't really like that. Just like make make your game actually challenging. Don't just make me deal with a hundred things. But when you play it, I feel like kind of a hypocrite because I was going to say when you play it with friends, it's great. But usually I I ding games for that because technically you could play any game could be good if you play it with friends. But I think like if you if you like Left 4 Dead games and you don't mind it being harder than Left 4 Dead. Vermintide's pretty good. It's just you've got to get used to the melee combat, and the game doesn't really explain itself all that well. It's it's not exactly like Left 4 Dead. There are some changes that they've made, very subtle ones, but they impact the game quite a bit. So it takes you a while to get used to it, but once you get used to it, it's Left 4 Dead bit with swords and stuff, and you get to kill a lot of rats. And my favourite <laughs> thing is, like, I play as the Wood Elf because she's very, she's very much like me in personality, kind of, like, very stoic, and a lot of people don't like her because of that and she, she's like and the play style just suits me as well and I like just equipping a sword you prepare a strong attack a rat runs at you you release the strong attack and you cut its head off fantastic like nothing like cutting a rat's head clean off yeah, I, what I'm gathering from this conversation <laughs> is you really hate rats well the game the, the, <laughs> the game has a lot of them and um, they do bring the plague girl yeah and and they they do casually insult you as you uh, as you're attacking them, so it's nice killing them. Um, they're a lot more satisfying to kill than zombies because they're actually somewhat intelligent. Um, zombies can be smart, depending on the source material. Most games are not though. Like, even Left 4 Dead, they're not all that smart. No, no. And 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 actually, this, the Vermintide has the best pun I have ever seen. You know, I'm not not usually a fan of puns. But this one was, like, I had to say, that's clever, I like that. This is one of the special, like, the game has, this, has the equivalent of the special infected. And one of them is this rat. And it has a Gatling gun. And they call it the Rattling Gunner. And I was like, that's great, I like that. Okay. <laughs> you know. It works. But yeah, I like it. It's, it's Left 4 Dead, but with, with, with swords. And you kill rats. Um, what does it say, though? No, you say that, but Left 4 Dead also had swords. Yeah, uh, but like swords are your primary weapons. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, like the Left 4 Dead had swords. Uh, I think Left 4 Dead too. I don't think one did. Yeah, one didn't. It's a nice game. It's like you can get it for like twenty quid or whatever your reasonable equivalent is. It's no, it's it's good fun if you've got friends to play with. I suggest you have friends to play to play it with because it because it is hard. But I would say that about most games. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially co-op games. I was gonna say, kind of partying off of that idea. I played, I dipped into more uh, Halo Five during this year recess, and I tried out the new what is it, Warzone? Yeah, 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 yeah it's called Warzone. Yes, that is a mode you really do need to play with friends, um, especially the first few times because I had no idea what I was doing, and people had to explain to me what the hell was going on. But it's, I think it's an interesting idea for a multiplayer mode, kind of like a mini mission type deal where you're killing each other, but that's not the main prerogative. It's kind of control. You, it's a bunch of different modes mashed together into this kind of competitive 
campaign type deal. Uh, the, the the biggest hurdle though is that the that whole card system is so bizarre. Yep. And it really does, or it can unbalance the game really quickly. And they say that it's too. it's balanced. They say, oh yeah, I knew it wasn't. Well, I mean, I understand why they say it's balanced because each, but the way one, it's not even like it's not a pure system. Like you have to, like your teammates have to do well in order to go up the level. It's not like the team goes up a level together. So I could be level five, and like, my teammates could be level two, and each of those levels are independent of your your skill in general. But beyond that, you as you go up to levels, you can unlock different stuff you can use. So like if you're if the other team gets an early advantage, like there was one point where they'd have like a wraith and a um what is the giant tank called? But they'd have one of those and a giant tank, and it's really hard to kind of get any offensive going when they have those two weapons, and if you can kind of, you know, there's only so many places you can actually spawn in this level, uh, there's usually like three, depending on how many um, spawn, how many bases you have, so you can camp there, so you have two or three people with those, and you're kind of stuck until you get to a level, and even even if you get to a level, that doesn't mean you got one of those cards in your deck, because it's one-time use cards that you have to unlock and stuff like that, so... I understand what they're going for. I wish it was more tied into just leveling up and not leveling up with this random card drop system as well. And I understand part of the reason is to try to get you to spend actual money because you can just buy the packs. And certain packs are guaranteed with certain type of weapons and vehicles and stuff like that. But again, I like the idea of it and it's kind of fun. Um, I will say I've been enjoying the Halo 5 multiplayer the more I played of it. Um, not a huge fan of a lot of the maps. There's one in particular I was playing with a friend, and they could, the first time we played it, he's like, where's the rest of the map? It's like this snowy <laughs> mountain. It's like this snowy mountain one, and it's like there's like no textures at all. It kind of looks like, you know like how some games when they go the textures and stuff, it's just kind of like a, black, a flat surface, and the map stays that way the entire time. Weird. So I'm like, I'm like, I have no idea, because they're usually pretty detailed on these things, and this just kind of looks like Somebody's like, oh, nobody's going to pay attention to it. Let's just see what it has it is. Um, and I honestly don't even know the names of the maps that much. I haven't paid <laughs> See, have they... That, that, that's really surprising, because actually the only thing that I didn't hate about Halo 4's multiplayer was the maps. You know, they're, they're not the greatest thing in the world. They're, they're obviously not Bungie maps, because Bungie just has some innate magic when it comes to designing multiplayer maps. But they weren't bad. And I, don't, I, like I said, I don't think these are bad. Um, I just they're not bad. They're just kind of saying like there's nothing that oh. makes them feel special or seem special. See, that's like, really, and that's also kind of weird because like Halo was always about we'll make a multiplayer map, but we'll sort of put it somewhere in the world where like. You can tell kind of where you are, even though you've never been here before. Like, there was one map in Halo 3 where it was, like, in a Scarab production factory. And that's really cool, you know, where you have a sort of sense of place, but not... But you've never been here before, you know, you don't really know... It's just really strange, like... It seems bizarre that all 343 have to do is copy what Bungie do, what Bungie did, and they still don't quite get it. 
Well, I see, I, and I think we've had this discussion when this game first came out. It's like it's a it's a very tough. That's stuck between a rock and a hard place, because if they could just copy what Bungie did, people would kind of complain at the first. Well, I'm not talking about like completely. I'm talking about like it's just but, the little touches Bungie do sometimes, you know. Oh, I get that, but I also get that them trying to evolve the format, and the format. My beef with them, with four and five to a degree, is that they're they're not. They're not trying to evolve it in a organic way. They're trying to evolve it to be like any other shooter. Like the card system is something that's kind of become popular in um, first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. Like Titanfall is the big one I can think of. Yeah. With the burn oh, Call of Duty. Yeah. But that's you know, and the uh, loadouts and stuff like that, and you know, like even st- simple stuff that you would have gotten before. Like a lot of the armor pieces are now random drops instead of stuff you unlock oh. based on what you do yeah. in the actual game. There's just there's not a, a lot of original ideas coming through, which doesn't make it bad. It just makes it um, disappointing. I've been playing it too, but uh, it just it's just boring. Like I don't know. It's the game. I, I've been struggling with this. I haven't played too much of uh, multiplayer. Uh, I've been trying to get through the campaign, but <laughs> what's really striking me. Uh, playing it is that I'm, I'm just not as engaged, and it's nothing. It's not like the game is bad, you know. I mean, first of all, it's gorgeous. Like the graphics engine is just beautiful, and the art direction is really good. Um, and for the most part, I mean, the in the campaign, especially, I think the you know three four three does a pretty good job with like the the sandboxes that Bungie likes to play with. But I mean, it's just this is. I mean, the fifth numbered Halo game, but, you know, there was, like, Reach and ODST and all these other things, and the formula is just boring to me now. It's just, it's literally, um, you know, in the campaign, it's skirmish to the next skirmish to the next skirmish, and that's it. Like, that. occasionally you press a button and then defend something while a bunch of enemies attack you. And it's just, I don't know, it, 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 it has its place, I guess, but it's just not... It feels like a formula from 2001. And, it, and actually, that's, that's really strange because, like, with Reach especially, or Reach and ODST, and you brought those up, Bungie was specifically trying to not have those, that same old formula, you know? Because, like, Reach is, <laughs> especially, like, there's a bit where you're just given a jetpack and it's like, oh, okay, you know? And then there's a bit where is the game's just like, by the way, you're now dogfighting in space. And it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool, yeah. you know? That was one of my favorite parts about Reach. That yeah, that's the, yeah, same here, you know? Oh. And it's just like... like so, so, and this is something that I've, I just don't understand. Well, I understand it, but I don't understand why. It's just like, 343 just don't seem to understand Halo at all. I mean, I you know, see. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even when say they were, when they were on the way out, like they were trying things, and it's just like three, four, three just aren't trying things. You know, like Warzone is yeah. an okay, is an okay example of them trying, but like the fact that they've tied monetization into it just feels like does this exist because of the monetization, or like did you actually conceptualize this as an idea? And then somebody was like, oh, we can monetize this. You know, like, what came first? I wouldn't say that they don't have any idea what Halo is. I I think they actually do a pretty good job of replicating what Bungie has done before. Like, I think the problem is that 
you know, the series needs to continue to evolve to be relevant, and that's where they're struggling. Uh, like, I mean, like you guys have both mentioned already, like, all the new ideas have been coming from other shooters, and they just, they feel tacked on. You know, Halo's always felt different uh, in comparison to, like, the quote-unquote modern age of shooters, like... Well, it was, know, the, it, was, it was the leader, you know, because Halo 2 had the party system, and then they integrated that into the system-wide, into the 360, you know? Right. And then they put the map editor into Halo 3 and the replays into Halo 3. And then Call of Duty decided to sort of tack those on, you know? And, and I, I do wonder if part of it is just because it is a framework of... Like, a lot of the evolution in FPSs recently have kind of been in areas that Halo doesn't tend to focus on. Like, I would say a lot of this generation has kind of been focused on movement with stuff like Titanfall, Splatoon, um, you know, uh, even Call of Duty kind of has like the jetpacks and the boost jumps and stuff like that, and that's not necessary. Uh, that's not necessarily well, something Halo focuses on. Even though they're trying tried. that with that, yeah, yeah. with I, the shows of that and the. I, 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 Earl, maybe you can comment on this too because you've played more multiplayer than I have. But it like they're kind of, the the new movements, you know, the kind of like the strafe and the ground pound and that stuff. Like it's fine, it fits. It just doesn't. I don't think it adds. No, it doesn't, and I think, and I think that's the problem. It's like, okay, this is where everybody, and like I said, this is the problem with, um, and I, I guess I enjoy their games, but it does feel like they're trying to play catch up, and it's not what the Halo brand needs. So it's like, okay, this is what's in right now, so we have to do this as well. And I, 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 I like I said, I understand them trying to evolve the format, but I don't think they know how to, or they don't, they, they, they don't want to risk alienating the big shooter market. Um, because, and well, you know, we haven't discussed it, but Halo 5 was, I think they always opening for the Halo franchise. Yeah, but there was a bunch of stipulations and stuff that they put on that, because they counted every, all the Halo branded hardware in it. So if you bought, uh, a Halo Xbox One, and a copy of Halo 5, and a Halo controller, then you count three times for that, which is a bit ridiculous considering the game should be able to stand up on its own yeah so, i mean microsoft's trying to spin all of their the numbers PR machine. Right, everybody tries to i mean part, part of it too you have to you have to look at is um you know this is the smallest install base that halo's been able to sell to in a long time yeah but back in 2001 that, that, that people bought sales. xboxes for halo like no i understand halo that was... like that but that's that's the last time like combat evolved is the last time that the install base has been this small. I, I think. I was about to say, was was the Xbox 360 at a bigger install base? Because they always taught the fact that the Xbox uh, One is like 50% or whatever ahead of the Xbox One at the same point in its lifespan. That, I mean, I don't have... That might be true. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I just know that's yeah, one of the facts. That's, that's a good point. The, maybe Halo 3 as well, but... Um, but uh, yeah. I also, I mean, you can also just kind of get the reception. Like, I don't think that there was anything that, as far as like anticipation, that matched Halo uh, Three for this. No, I mean it's just it's getting long in the tooth. And like I, like me personally, I've played every single Halo game. I've bought them all day one, and I could not be bothered when Guardians came out. You know, like it, I, I waited 
several months until it went on sale. And then I was like, well, yeah, I'll pick it up because it's Halo. But, you know, I, I don't know if it was the marketing or it's just the beta left a very sour taste in my mouth last year. Um, but it wasn't until, like, the very last trailer that they released that I was like, okay, this game looks cool. But I'm still going to wait to play it because I just... I, I'm, I'm also I also think, and I haven't finished the story, which um, I think the marketing was odd to focus on Master Chief being a traitor because I don't think people... That, that's not what you want. Just stupid. That's like, not what you want from the, the protagonist yeah. of your franchise. Well, like, and it had nothing to do with what the game was actually about. Like, it was a completely... This is what I was going to say. It's <laughs> like, had, had, it would have been fine if there was actually anything in the game about Chief being a traitor, but there isn't anything in the game about Chief being a traitor I, at all. I was also going to say that I find this. I mean, I like I said I haven't finished it, so maybe it comes together. I find it very oddly paced, just because they keep on going between the two factions, and it's like at some point just kind of stick to one, or have the like the stories feel so disjointed at times. But oh, yeah, no. yeah. Um, in addition to that, I mean, I also checked out uh, Transformers Devastation, which is. And Does it I, melt your eyeballs? Huh? Does it melt your eyeballs? Because it's really pretty. I was going to say, this is a platinum-ass platinum game, and I love platinum games. So if you enjoy platinum games, this is a platinum game for you. Like, I faded. I'm like, okay, I know this system because I fade Bayonetta, and I fade the Wonderful 101, and I fade... I fade the Demo Metal Gear Rising. I'm like, yeah, okay, I got this. Um, there's some nifty stuff with the cars, and, you know, each of the Autobots has a different play style, but for the most part, it's very similar to a lot of Platinum games. Um, I haven't finished it yet, because I got distracted with the game I'll talk about next. But I'm Please still play. surprised that... Yes. <laughs> I'm still surprised that this game was 50 bucks. Not that it's a bad game, not that it's said on content. It just does not see- scream a game. That should have been fifty bucks to me. I picked it up on sale when it was twenty five. I thought that was a lot more reasonable. Um, so yes, as Jason said, I've been paying a crap ton of Xeno pay since December. Uh, I think I'm currently at like fifty hours. Uh, a little more than halfway through the game story. Uh, it's straight up into chapters, so it's kind of easy to tell on like the original. Um. It's, I mean, <laughs> I've said it before, the original is absolutely one of my favorite games of all time, and one of my favorite games of last generation, easily. I don't necessarily think this um, usurps that. I don't think it necessarily builds on a lot of everything that the original had going for it, but it does a lot of stuff right, and it's still fun for that. I think, I mean, you know, you've heard it before. I think my favorite, one of my favorite parts about it is just the open world, and not necessarily it being an open world, but just the sense of scale and the ability to just kind of discover stuff on your own. Like, no part of the world is very locked off to you at the start. Like, there are certain stuff that the game tries to prevent you from doing by like, having gatekeepers that are like 50 levels higher than you. But if you're smart or agile or nimble, you can actually uh, get around a lot of stuff. And actually, part of the game does kind of force you to do that. There are certain missions that will have you go through enemy territory where enemies are much, much, much higher level than you are. Like, I just uh, completed a mission yesterday where there was an enemy walking around the map who was, like, level 93. My character is 33, so... <laughs> but 
kind of going with that sense of skill, one of my favorite things it does is that there's certain enemies who will pay no attention to you as a human because you're so tiny and a non-threat to them. But the instant you get into a skull, <laughs> like all their eyes are on you. And it's not exactly what I was hoping for as for our skulls because I grew up on Power Rangers and Voltron and I want robots to just destroy stuff. But I do love getting into my mech and just it makes traversing so much fun, so much faster. Um, and just the way it kind of has different... it ha- Like the battle system remains fairly similar because they has to, so you don't get too confused. But there's a lot of small changes that actually does add to the experience with using this skull. It's just a mech. It's a giant mech. Um, such as, like, there's certain parts, which I've not figured out. I'm pretty sure the manual says it's completely random, but there's certain parts where, like, you'll be fighting an enemy and you'll go into a cockpit view and you'll just do extra damage here. But it's it's just awesome seeing the world from inside of the skull instead of outside of it. Um, you can also trap bigger enemies in kind of, like, a, um, what they call a bind, and this allows your teammates to do extra damage while the enemy can't move or counter or anything like that. Um, you know, you can also, you know, your vehicle transforms into a, um, well, a vehicle. Uh, mine's right now transforms into a car boat, except it has terrible handling, but it's because of the size of the thing, and def- depending on the size and the cast, it can transform um, into, like, cars, boats. I haven't got my wings yet. I can't fly, which is kind of disappointing. And I would say, I think that's, I'm not going to say it's disappointing, but that's one of the things the game does, is it holds out a lot of stuff on you. Like, I didn't get my skull until, like, hour 35. Really? Yeah. And that's, like, a major sort of, look at this thing that you can do in this game, you know? And the 35 hours. But here's the this thing. Is, this it, is why I can't play this game, <laughs> which we'll get into <laughs> later. Yeah. I was gonna say here's the thing. For me, it wasn't such a it wasn't such a bad deal because you have you you have a very decent running speed and the game has a really you know really nice um, fast travel system. So you know it's like there you find a lot of landmarks and spots where you can fast travel to, and you can fast travel to almost any place on the map after a while. So it wasn't it's not such a big deal. But once you get it, you just realize like so much more of the world is open to you. You can jump further, you can climb higher, you can run faster, you can, you know, it's easier to swim because your skull doesn't swim, so you're right over water. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that just kind of open up to you, but the the world never felt limited without it. It just feels so much more lively with it now. And again, I, there's certain enemies I go back to that gave me trouble as a... Um, as a human, and I kick its butt because I I'm the giant now, but you know you can you still get demolished um, with certain creatures if you aren't careful, and I you know I've always, I've been a fan of the battle system since the first one because I think it's I'm not a huge fan of uh, turn-based RPGs because I find them very passive. And I know some people are gonna disagree and hate me for saying that, but a lot of RPGs just the battle systems aren't engaging to me. With this one, because of how it's um, it's 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 passive in that you have attacks that are automatically generated, but it's active in that you have to take into account your positioning on the field in relation to the enemies, where you are with your teammates. You know, there's a bunch of stuff that pops up on screen at all times, which a lot of people do dislike because the HUD is extremely busy, which this game does not fix at all. Um, but I, I just enjoyed being that you have to kind of be an active participant throughout the battle 
if you actually want to stand a chance of doing well. Um, and one of the things I was surprised about, because a lot of it I heard po- uh, pre-release was just like, butt rock, but I actually do like the score. There are a lot of things with vocals, and sometimes they have odd choices. Like, for some reason, they put the vocal version of the theme song in cutscenes, and it sometimes drowns out what people are saying, which I don't get how anybody made that decision and thought it was a good idea. <laughs> but for the most part, I enjoyed the score. Um, I was very surprised by that, because, honestly, if you listen to some of the songs, like, a lot of them have vocals, but the vocals don't kick in for a while, so you don't hear it most of the time. Like, the battle theme has a vocal track, but you have to be in battle for, like, a minute, and most battles don't last that long. And then bosses have a different one, so that's a different sound altogether. So, what were you going to say, Jason? No, well, you were talking about... It's not really specific to this game or anything, but, you know, talking about 35 hours to a major feature, you're 50 hours and you're halfway through, and... I believe the first game was very similar. I mean, like a 100-hour-plus game. Daniel was talking about Fallout 4 earlier, and <clears throat> we were talking a little bit before the show about how hard it is to play like as, like all the games we want to these days, and uh, these games especially, like these super long open-world RPGs are such a grind. It took me like three months to finish The Witcher 3 this year, or last year, and I'm so scarred now. Like, I'm I don't even want to pick up Xenoblade or even Fallout, which is a game I actually really want to play, but trying to think about how long it's going to take me to actually finish it is just a little bit overwhelming. Oh, if you want a good idea, I have about... Hang on, how how many hours do I have? I have 105 hours in Fallout 4, and I've done basically everything there is to do in that game. Yeah, I mean, I to to be fair, I probably wouldn't play it that way, like 100% completion. But even so, like I think I put like 60 hours into Fallout 3. You know, just doing like the the main quest, the side quests I like the best, um, some exploration and stuff. Yeah, but that's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, I um as an adult like working. <laughs> yeah, we have we we recorded an episode of Nerds of the Rocks, which is up by the time this goes out, and we joked about it would be nice in 2016 if we had games we could actually finish. Uh, because I when I picked up Xenoblade, I kind of made sure my schedule. Like it's you know I've had Xenoblade since day one, which is a month ago at this point. I played nothing else really because I'm like like that 50 hours is over five weeks. And it's very really difficult, like you said, as an adult. But Christmas time is just a pain in the ass with family, friends, things to do, New Year's, um, and just all this stuff. So it's like, I will, I, I, I love the game. I can't wait to be done with it because like I'm going to finish the campaign. But I, it, there's people who want to go for 100. percent I'm like, I'm good with just finishing the game. <laughs> um, and this is it. 2015 has had like loads of open world games like yeah. it just seems like everyone just wants to release open world games now you know and this year this year seems better in that regard because it doesn't seem like we like the major games aren't open world like uncharted isn't typically known for its open world this x um you know hitman stuff that you can finish but in, is still a big rpg yeah but i mean still stuff you can finish in like 30 hours is much better yeah. than stuff that takes like a hundred uh, I knew like it was. I bought The Witcher Three during um, Black Friday, and I'm like, I want to try The Witcher Three, but I'm not going to start this game before Xenoblade because I'm never going to finish it if I do that. And I'm like, yes, and I want. I, I think I meant, I wanted to fly out four, but I'm like, I can't do three of these games. 
Like, it's impossible. I don't know how people finished Witcher Fallout in, in, in the same year, <laughs> other than reviewers who had to. Um, but yes, I'm happy, you know, like the rumors of a, no Assassin's Creed this year. I'm going, I'm happy with smaller games that are 10 to 15 hours or yeah, something. Yeah, but they're replacing yeah. Assassin's Creed this year with another Watch Dogs, if rumors are to be believed. So, yeah, you but, know. But in that, in that sense, nobody cares about Watch Dogs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I about Watch Dogs, though, like, but Assassin's Creed's going to get me. <laughs> <laughs> but even like Syndicate, which by all accounts is a you know return to form, I played right. about an hour or two, and I was just like, I can't. Like, I don't want to. If I play this game, it's going to take me a month or two, or I could play like five other games I want to play. <laughs> yeah, and and that and that's going to be the thing. It's like this year, not necessarily focused on smaller games because like the next game I want is like RPG, but like Mario and Luigi Paper Jam without the bros. Uh, no, with the bros. I, I imagine it's like 30, 35 hours, and even then, I think handheld games are different. Um, but yeah, like I said, Uncharted, I don't expect to be this massive, sparring, 100-hour epic. Um, I don't expect Gears of War to be like that. Um, Crackdown, if that comes out, ReCore, any of that stuff. I re- Zelda, maybe. <laughs> Zelda's going to be... <laughs> But even Zelda is like half the time. Like Skyward Sword, you took me like forty-five hours, which is an odd thing to say. But yes, it becomes more difficult as you get older and have responsibilities and stuff like that. Soon we're going to be like the Grandpa Podcast, where we just complain about not having time to actually play video games. Back in my day, I could finish a game in a week. I could finish a game in a weekend. But... <laughs> I mean, I, it's the same thing. Like, I, I've never was a fan, but I still don't get how people do midnight lunches because I'm like, you do a midnight lunch, I'm not going to pay the game. I have to be up for work. Well, there, there was a time um, when Halo Reach came out. I bought, I went to the mid, midnight <laughs> launch of it because I was going to be up anyway, and I'd half finished a game by the time I went to bed. You know? Yeah, like, yeah I, I remember back now. when uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 came out, I went to the midnight launch got, like, a couple of Red Bulls or something and stayed up till, like, 7 or 8 in the morning playing online with, like, uh, friends and stuff. That was back when I was in college, though, so I could do irresponsible Yeah, you could like do that. stuff like that. <laughs> now it's like, now it's like a oh, man, thing. I stayed up until 1. I'm so going to hate work in the morning. Yeah. Or I'm going to miss the bus tomorrow morning, you know? Yeah. Uh, good times, good times. Uh, I think... That's that for what I've been playing. I mean, I'm sure I've played other games on and off, but I can't think of anything that sticks out as important. Uh, what about you, Jason? Uh, well, we, we talked about Halo 5 already. That was one of them. Um, oh, oh, I know when we share. Life is Strange. Well, I played that when the first episode came oh, out. Okay. If you want to talk about I, that, go ahead. I played five minutes of it today. <laughs> I pay well. I'm not, then I won't spoil the story if you're. I pay. I, 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 I pay five minutes, and I was like, "This writing is absolutely dreadful." And I it's just awful. It. It's, you can tell it's forty-year-old men writing to writing for. Yeah, like a, I, I basically, I literally got to the bit where uh, Max is sitting at a desk in school, and her teacher's like prattling on in the background, and I was like, "Oh, there's a journal. I'll read it." And I was reading it, and I was like, "Who wrote this?" Who wrote this? Yeah. People don't write like this. They don't speak like this. They don't anything like this. And I, I uninstalled the game. 
I also want to so if you want to talk about story, go for it. I also want to say it's not written by a native English speaker. That too. That well, don't don't not a, don't not a French. So right. Yeah, so that's the same thing with Heavy Rain. It's like you can tell it's a certain idiosyncrasy of speaking English that doesn't translate well. So you can kind of tell that t- at times where like the language is very on the nose. It's like nobody's going to say that. Um, and to the point, uh, kind of to your point, and this is a problem with choice-based games or games where you speak with people with that. It's so odd sometimes to have conversations with people where like, it'll be multiple conversation branches and you can have multiple, you know, you can pick one and they'll talk about that and you go back. Because tone is never accounted for in the changes. So there's times where like, tonally, like one choice seems make them seem angry at you and then you go back and you pick a next choice, like you pick another conversation branch and it's like none of that carries over. I'm like, I understand why you can't do it. It's just really jarring when... <laughs> It doesn't carry over between the same conversation with somebody. If you're going to do that, kind of force it so that they have to pick it in order. Because there were certain parts where I'm like, okay, this person's mad at me. I pick another one. Like, they were just kind of angry, telling me to go away. Now they're not even caring about that. But I said it before with Telltale Games. Like, these aren't necessarily my type of games. Uh, but everybody was talking about it. It's been on a lot of people's game of the year is, and it was like ten bucks. So I picked up the Xbox One version, and I <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say I think this, that pause says it all. <laughs> I'm going to say this, and I know people I know people hate when you, but I get that if you want if you want to tell a story in a choice based game, tell your story, and stop making me stop pretending that my choices matter when you have a story in mind. It's like, well, see, the thing about these games is it's not to, usually it's not actually about choice. It's about it's, the illusion of choice. It's about the illusion of choice, and I get that. And I think some games are better at it than others. But kind of the same way people had problems with Mass Effect, ultimately the ending not ultimately the ending does come down to two choices that isn't based on anything you chose beforehand. Okay, we we don't need to go into Mass Effect. Right but, now, that's going to be a whole podcast on its own. No, but I'm just saying, like, it really goes down to pick A or pick B. It doesn't account for any of your cho- The final chapter really doesn't account for any of your choices. Um, I don't know how far either one of you got into this game. Oh, you played the I first just, episode. I, I, I played did not finish minutes. the first episode. Yeah. Oh, you didn't finish? Oh, so, did, 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 I played did about you, an hour. Did either one of you open the time travel aspect? Yes. No. I, 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 I like... hated it more because I got the classroom scene that Daniel's talking about. You play that like three times, and I was oh, like, yeah. "This is so boring. What am I oh, doing?" You go, you go back to it more than three times. Oh my yeah, god, like, awful! The, the literal, the literal amount of time that Steam has logged for me playing Life is Strange is fourteen minutes, and I was just like, <laughs> "I was just reading the journals like this is this writing is terrible." And if people are going to be talking like this, I'm not going to put up with it. So I just oh, yeah. the game. It only gets worse because there are times when they actually try to speak like teenagers. And okay, and I don't. I, I think Jason said the same thing because my absolute favorite part of this game is the uh, Max goes into some. She goes into the teacher's room and he he has like a fancy HD TV. She's like, "Oh man, I can't wait to watch Final Fantasy the Spirits Within on this." I'm like, "What kid in 2013 cares about Final Fantasy the Spirit Within?" 
I wouldn't know anybody like in 2013 that knew about it. You know, exactly. Like, <laughs> even the people that I know that like do know about the spirits within, like it just doesn't come to mind at all. To because that's, that's how indifferent they are to it. Yeah, you know? and it's not the first. Thir- that is not the first movie I think of watching on Blu-ray. I'm yeah. like, okay, this is a square game, of course. Um, but that was oh, my it is a square game, isn't it? Yeah. Oh well, that makes more sense. <laughs> Still, um, still was, yeah. I would have yeah, but they're going to talk about the Hitman movie or something. You I know? don't think. Like, there were, I don't think any kid would have thought about that either. But, especially um, like, yeah, I mean, there were a lot they more, more recent Square Enix based movies. You I know? think. I think of the Square Enix based movies, I think Tomb Raider would have made the most sense. But, um, yeah, it's uh, one of those things. But it's the time travel aspect is really. It, it makes it seem interesting, and I thought there'd be some type of hook with it, but honest, it's only like, it's basically like, oh, I made a poor choice, can I go back and make the other one? So if you wanted to see both sides of a dialogue tree, which are decisions, you can do that. But there's nothing that of interest that comes out of it. Like, there's certain puzzles and stuff, which I thought were neat. But, yeah, the gameplay aspect of this was kind of the most tedious one. Like spoilers, since I'm sure you all are waiting with bated breath to get to episode five. This game somehow manages to put a stealth section in. Oh and boy! Is it fail stealth section so as well? The goal well, of this game is to be the most annoying adventure game. Because <laughs> I mean, who puts a who put like nobody likes stealth games. Nobody likes stealth in general outside of stealth genres. And you're gonna put a stealth game, but it's not it's not instant fill because you have the time travel aspect. But it's really annoying because like you'll get caught and it shows down your first time and it's like, but I don't wanna do this and it goes on I'm sure it's probably only like a minute or so, but because you have to be careful the first time the like, only time I'm going through it. I'm like, this is just not fun, this is annoying. <laughs> I want this section to be over with so I can finish this game and never think about it again. Um but yeah, there are. I'm surprised you actually pushed yourself through all five episodes. It's uh, it's just, it's one of those things where it was just like everybody kept on talking about it. And I'm like, okay, at some point this has to get. <laughs> You're like waiting <laughs> for the good parts. <laughs> and then I kind of I had hope, and like episode four was I think the highlight for me, and then episode five just shits all over that. And I'm like, at some point I'm like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen, and. It was driving me nuts because like, the game was forcing the character to make decisions that I'm just like, this is stupid. Why is my character doing this? I have no control. <laughs> like, I, I'm just like, I understand. I guess if I was invested in these characters as much as the game wanted me to be, I'd feel for her decisions. But I'm like, yeah, you're just taking agency out of my hands <clears throat> to you this story that I don't want because I think it's a stupid decision for her to make. But the game's like, you have to do it anyhow. I'm like... This is just dumb. So I knew exactly where the story was going by the end, and I was just like, oh, this, is, this is just stupid and awful and a waste of my time, and I never want to think about it again. So we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about uh, you know, the point-and-click adventure genre, for lack of a better term, um, I've, I finished two games that were actually very good. Um, those being Telltale's Game of Thrones and Until Dawn. Uh, I'll talk about Game of Thrones first because it's it's quicker. Um, well, the first thing I want to say is Telltale really 
really, really needs to hire someone to get a new engine for their game. <laughs> I mean, God, it's it's you know, it was one thing before when they were like a smaller studio that like wasn't that successful yet, and uh, you know, they with Walking Dead kind of masked it because it had Wolf Among Us also because they were like you know cell shaded and stuff, but. Game of Thrones tries to straddle this line. It's, like, sort of realistic, but, you know, kind of... It's not realistic. It's, like, more like... Uh, God, what's a good example? It, it The the proportions of the people are a little bit more, like, animated stuff, but regardless, it's an ugly, ugly, ugly game. Like, distractingly so. Which well, is I mean, a shame, it, because... Well, what were you going to say? I was going to say, their engine was outdated when, like, uh, the Walking Dead episode... Season one came out, and that yeah. was what three or four years ago now. Yeah. And at this point, like they just seem to be putting licenses and not worrying about because I mean it sells, and everybody knows their their engine one's a crap, but we still buy their games. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna buy the Batman one. And you know, I and I get it for to an extent, um, and I get that the most important thing for them as a studio is that their engine lets them create and iterate really quickly and for these type of games that's really important in the development pipeline but it's got to look better i mean it's just flat out has to and they have so many big properties coming out this year and next year and they're gonna there's gonna be you know at least another season of game of thrones they've already talked about and it's really a shame because it's the game itself is very good it's one of their better efforts the the writing is really good and it it i I've been really skeptical about uh, Game of Thrones, particularly. I'm a big fan of the show, big fan of the books. Um, it's a very complicated world. It's really hard to make a game in that world as well, because obviously you're not going to step on the main plot threads because they're still unfolding in both the books and the show. So anything, especially in a game like this where it's choice-based, I'm like, well, how are your choices actually going to have consequences uh, given that the fabric of the world is what it is and still evolving. Well, I think they were really smart in kind of lasering in on one of the smaller houses that isn't really involved in the show in the books. I think they've mentioned a couple of times, but that's it. And uh, the game really revolves around them. But it's still, you get appearances from some of the main characters, you know, and you're in a lot of those major locations. And it, it, it fits. It fits really well. I think that was a really smart decision. And more important than that, like, uh, it's very Game of Thrones. Like you, there's lots of unexpected twists. Like it's all about politics and house relationships and how you're. Uh, one one of the best ones is uh, so you're, you're you're controlling the various offspring of this family house forester. Uh, one of them is uh, put in charge of the house. They basically become the lord of the house, and that in like that in itself, it's like all the decisions you have to wrestle with as, like, basically the leader of this entire town. It's just, they they do a good job making you go, like, have to make very tough choices over and over and over again. You know, like, do I save my little brother, or do I, um, you know, save my... This isn't an actual... I'm, like, kind of mixing different storylines here for lack of spoilers, but do I save my little brother or do I save, like, my fiancé or something? It, it may, it's, there's lots of... All the choices, for the most part, 
are in areas of gray. Like, you know that something bad's going to happen no matter which way you go. And I think that's very powerful in a game like this. I just wish it was more visually pleasing. <laughs> You'll know how busted the Telltale engine is. It's a fun fact for you. If you load up any PC game since any PC <laughs> since the first Walking Dead season, whilst an Xbox 360 controller is plugged into the machine, the engine crashes. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and the I, worst there's... is it supports the 360 controller. It just doesn't support it when you've got it plugged in and the game launches. <laughs> that's see that's and you know it's frankly it's unacceptable to have any performance issues like given how bad the engine is how does it run poorly still on a ps4 and an xbox one and on a high-end gaming pc it should be you know i i could ex- understand when wolf among us was struggling at the end of the ps3 generation it, i don't understand now like this is ridiculous the, the thing it looks is so bad it's there's so the, little going on why are yeah, I was to say, I, do, I, I didn't excuse it for the Xbox 360 either. It's not a technically, it's not like a huge technical drain in engine, so there was never any excuse. And I hate to say anything but it is what it is, and it's it's rather annoying, but uh, I don't see them, like like you said, they have a ton of, like, they just keep on announcing more and more games, so it's not like they're slowing down where it's like, okay, we can take a year to focus on the engine, then next year we'll come up with walking Dead. It's like, no, we're going to have 50 games this year without the same engine or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and then there is definitely, like, you know, if, as a studio, they need to weigh, like, what's the cost-benefit of investing in a new engine, which is going to be pretty expensive. But, I don't know, it's just, it's getting, like, it's it's getting ridiculous at this point. Like, for such high-profile games to look like this. And I, and, and it, I don't know how much of an impact it actually has on sales, but... I, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with, you know, gamer friends who are really into Game of Thrones, and that's a big crossover market right there. But, you know, trying to tell them, this game looks really great, they'll Google, like, screenshots, and like, wow, that looks terrible. This is the game you're talking about? Like, really? I'm like, yeah, like, it looks bad, but trust me, like, the writing's really good. Like, it's really entertaining. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know. I it. I don't know what the answer is. I I just think they. I really strongly think they need a new engine, like one that can take them, you know, another ten years or something. Like, it doesn't need to be cutting edge. But and it's especially the fact that I played. All right, the fact that I finished the last three or two or three episodes of Game of Thrones immediately before finishing Until Dawn just drove that point home for me because Until Dawn looks gorgeous. I mean, it is one of the, I. Obviously, uh, a game like this can probably do more visually because there's less going on in terms of like AI and all these things flying around. But Until Dawn is one of the best-looking games of this generation. Um, consistently, it looks so good, and it it, it it's just it, it's really interesting because it, it's so similar to those games in a lot of ways. You have a lot of the similar mechanics where you know. Uh, you have like a locked camera and like you're walking around an area, you're look, inspecting objects, you're trying to find clues, all these things. But um, And w- what really got surprised me was like the premise is ridiculous. I mean, these teens are in this cabin and, you know, shit's going down. It's like, how many movies have you seen like that? And especially, uh, minor spoilers, like, this is the first 20 minutes of the game, so I hope nobody's too upset about this, but, like, there's a prologue chapter you play first, and two of the group of friends die. 
But they decide a year later they're going to come back to the same cabin. It's like, what, what are you doing? Like, what? How does this make any sense? Well, I mean, I, I mean, and I could be wrong. I, this, I, I still want to play this game, but one of the reasons I was interested in it, it does seem to harken back to like 80s ashes. And it's the same thing you think about when every some, every year those people would go back to Camp Crystal Lake for no apparent reason. <laughs> they called it. It was a sign of a mass murder like seven times. Let's go. Let's go camping. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't yeah. take it. I think it knows that it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Like, it's not breaking the fourth wall or anything, but it seems like it doesn't take itself that seriously for the first half of the game, at least. It does. The further you go, the more it kind of gets into it its own like mythology or whatever and uh that is interesting in its own way and um i don't know it's really it's just it's a good game it's a good horror game it's it's really tense it's gorgeous i mean it's set in this uh i believe canadian mountain is where this cabin is and there's just constantly anytime you're outside there's like snow flurrying around there's you know you're walking through fresh snow you're leaving tracks in it there's Wait, things. so you went back to the cabin in the winter? Yeah, it's in the winter. <laughs> I mean, I understand going back to honor your friend, but if they died in the summer, I'd be more keen to do it. That's how much I love my friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it, the the premise is just absurd, but, you know, the it, it won me over. Like, the characters won me over, like, you know, there's, there's actually, and we're speaking of earlier, like, uh, are these games about choice or the illusion of choice, and uh, I'm talking to a couple friends after I finish it about their playthroughs and stuff. And even within like a single chapter, like one or two choices can dramatically actually change what happens. Uh, granted, this was at the end of the game we were talking about, so maybe earlier on there's fewer branches they can split apart. But well, I don't know how true it is, but I have heard, and this is a good idea if true, is like it also keeps track of what you like, not. Not the choices, because most games do that, but it keeps track of like the lines and stories you've seen. So if you have yes. a replay, you have an idea, okay, I've made this choice, I've seen this, instead of like trying to, like, you know, I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't think any other choice game has that, where it's like, I don't remember what choice I made the first time through, so I don't make the same thing again. Right. It It is it is very transparent in that way, in that you, you can look up, like, like you said, like, what are these, like, you know, threads where my choices are kind of dominoing on each other. So if you wanted to go back, you could do it differently. Um, yeah, it's, I, I definitely recommend it, especially, you know, it's, it's been like constantly on sale. It's just, it's, it's so the, the thing that is, I think most appealing to me about it was it's, it's just so unique, you know, I mean, it shares a lot of mechanics with the telltale games, but, um, you know, how many other games do you play with a cabin full of teenagers? <laughs> yeah, and I, like I said, that was the most interesting thing to me, because, like, we do horror, but we tend to do more just straight-up zombies and stuff, and not yeah, necessarily... and gore, and... And shashers and stuff like that. This, this is, a, it's a good, like, as a, just a horror game, and I, I'm someone who doesn't even like horror games, but it does a really good job of, like, dripping, slowly dripping you know, the uh, the horror aspect into it. Like, you know, it starts off very... It gives you a hint of what's coming, but then it kind of pulls back. And it's more about, like, the characters and their relationships. And slowly, you get the horror aspects start cropping up again and again and again. And then by the end of the game, like, 
that's the main focus. They're obviously running around. They're freaking out all these things. And if you want, just to kind of show a bit, we also do have a review up on the website from Trent, who was a huge fan of that, and I also think he has like a mini Let's Play on it. But yeah, it's um. It also made my uh, top seven games of the year. There you go. If it's you also check. on the site. And it's it, honestly, if there were more, re- if there was more reasons right now, it'd be one of the reasons I pick up a PS4 because I'm really curious about it. Um, yeah. Um, anything else? Um, let me think. I have I've been off for a while, so there's been a lot I've played. But, oh, Rise of the Tomb Raider! How could I forget that game? <laughs> well, you're uh, not the only one. <laughs> well, according to Microsoft, it did sell a million copies. So which is bad. Shh. Don't use your eyes. Six point six million, according to Square Enix, of the last game. So you know. Well, I don't care about whatever Microsoft or Square Enix wants. Probably why I forgot it was because I blasted through it in two days because it was that damn good. I mean, I was a big fan of the reboot uh, from a few years ago. Um, I thought it was the perfect mix of Uncharted and uh, Metroid and uh, having like its own identity. And this, I mean, this is... If you didn't like the reboot, you will not like this game because this is a sequel to that game in every single way. <laughs> I mean, it builds on the same... It has essentially the same structure, same base mechanics. Um, I think the developers did a good job. Similar to the way, you know, you if you play all Rocksteady's Batman games, um, from game to game, Batman will retain certain gadgets and abilities. You know, You know, a lot of games in the past, Metroid is notorious for this, from game to game, you might start with the other abilities you had before, but then you get a full reset, and you have to get everything all over again. Batman and Tomb Raider, you, you lose a lot, but you keep a lot of the core ones, and then you get brand new ones that weren't in the previous game. So uh, it does that really well. Um, it's... I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to say about Rise of Tomb Raider other than it's, it's just so well-designed. Like, all... It, it's very choreographed, you know. It's it has these much like the first game. It has open areas um, that are connected to each other. So it's not true open world, but you'll there are like three or four major areas that you'll come into, and then much smaller areas that kind of connect them. Um, and within those areas, that's where it, it feels like a mini open world. You know, there's there's various places to go, various objectives you can tackle. There's uh, secondary quests. There's areas you have to come back to later when you have uh, more abilities or items. And um, I mean, it, it's, except for the character models, which is the one place you can tell that this game was also on 360, it looks gorgeous. Um, it's set in Siberia, so much like Until Dawn, a lot of the flashiness has to do with like being in the snow and all the things that uh, you can do with that visually. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just really well designed. Like it's 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 well paced. Like I, I just I never felt like okay I've I've had enough of this game. I'm ready to put it down. I'm always like no I want to keep playing. Like just just another hour. Just just one more like next checkpoint. You know and uh, I have to kind of force myself to like put it down because we mentioned a few times like I have responsibilities. But uh, yeah I mean I could not recommend Rise of Tomb Raider any higher for for anyone who likes kind of these. Uh, action-adventure games. 
Uh, just one quick question I'm curious about, because they made a big deal about this. How are the tombs in this game? Um, basically the same as in the first game. I don't know why they made such a big deal about it. Maybe they're a little bit more complex. I don't know. The one thing I will say is the tombs now have a larger effect on your overall progression, because they'll give you special items, each of them, um, that... Get, they're pretty significant abilities. Like some of them, I, I don't know. Like they can they can have a pretty big impact on the way you're actually playing the main quests uh, and and like getting around the world and um, you know fighting enemies and stuff. And it's it's yeah. So I guess in that sense, they're kind of incentivizing the tombs more. And the tombs are well designed. You know, like I'm not one of the people that really hated the tombs in the first game, and I, I think the tombs are a nice you know, distraction in this game also. And and they're they're decent puzzles, you know, just like you it's like they're designed similarly to Zelda dungeons, but they're like one room. One room in a Zelda dungeon is like the tomb in uh any of either of these games. But I don't know why they were like, now we're going back to the tombs because that, that's the only reason I asked because I was at a presentation during New York Comic Con and they oh, we heard your complaints, and this is how we're fixing the tombs in the new game. So I'm like, okay, I'm kind of curious about this now. And you're like, no, it's pretty much the same. I don't so, think it's going to placate anybody who had complaints about that before. Okay. I look forward to playing it at the end of the month. Yeah, um, not coming out on PC this month, and then uh, PS4. PS4 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting when Uncharted 4 comes out, because uh, that'll be the first Uncharted that's been out since the Tomb Raider, the first Tomb Raider reboot, and I I like the two Tomb Raiders so much more than any of the Uncharted. So um, curious how uh, Naughty Dog's obviously a brilliant studio, and you have a bit more to wait for that because that got delayed until April. Yay! <laughs> Yay! I, I, I mean, at this point, I'm more shocked when a game isn't played. Um, like we also, I mean, I guess just really quick, yeah, unless you folks have any other games to talk about. Um, I just, I have one more, but you can go first. And I was going to say, just catching up on news real quick, uh, we got word that one Uncharted was delayed until April of this year, but we also found out that uh, Scalebound would be delayed until 2017. Um, How can you delay something that doesn't have a release date? Push back, I guess. No, it doesn't have a release date. Can't delay it. No, because I think it was it had a 2016 release. I think it had, it didn't. Have, yeah, it had a 2016 window, but it didn't have a. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I mean, but honestly, okay, let's be honest. The big story of this week, the big story anybody cares about, is five ninety nine. Five hundred ninety nine US dollars. I don't, I, I don't go away. I don't care. <laughs> I just... I, I've done nothing but moan about people moaning about it. So you yeah. <laughs> I'm, and I, I'm with Daniel. Like, anyone, well, I, like, even if it was half the price, it's still not going to be a mass market device. Well, I think... I, and I said this before, and I said this to you during our, uh, our talks this week, is that the only people this guy <laughs> talking to were people who expected VR to become a mainstream device this year. And those people are also in the same circle as the circle of idiots on the Venn diagram that is humanity. 
That was a really <laughs> dumb way of explaining it. But my point is the same. You know, like, you, when was the iPhone wasn't mass market in 2007? You know, yeah. like, it was, it was a good three years before, like, people were actually buying them, like, HD, on mass TV because. Color TVs yeah. were it, like, And I I think, like I said, I think the thing was for a lot of people, this is the future of gaming. And I think they were just like, okay, you know, it's been, I mean, the Oculus was announced in 2012, 2013. It's been almost half a decade of waiting and waiting and waiting. You have Sony, you have HTC, you have Oculus. Like, everybody, this is the year. And then this price comes in and it's like, Probably not the year for many people. And, and I guess what they sold out of their yeah, pre-orders. Yeah, and that and that's the thing. It's like it's going to this. There's going to like Oculus knows, and this is this, this is troubling for a lot of people. When companies figure out their secret, people are going to moan and bitch and complain. But there is going to be contingency of people who are going to buy Oculus at five ninety nine ninety nine. Well, and this is it. It's the people that are going to buy Oculus at six hundred dollars right now are the only people that matter because they yeah. are the people that will be making content for it, you know? And yeah. you need content in order to play content on it, you know? So yeah, just you need those wait. early adopters. Like the yeah, early adopters years. will drive the tech. They they they'll get other people in because they're willing to shell out money other people weren't, but the other people will get to experience it through them. Like Daniel said, there is no VR killer app right now. And there isn't one that we even know about. So the and idea that this is going to be mass market right out of the gate is just absurd. It's going to be a slow build. What we're going to look at once these devices actually hit the market is are, are they gaining traction? You know, like they're, yeah, it's $600. It's going to sell to a small niche. It always was going to because guess what? You also need a cutting edge PC to run it. So, you know, what we want to see is growth. It's probably going to be slow, but that's all we need to see. We need to see more experiences come out, more things tailored toward VR, and an uptick in sales as time goes on. And as time goes on, the technology will go down because it'll be cheaper to produce. That's the way any technology works. Yeah. Like I said, again, it was all you to people who were like, this is the year of VR. Like, it's going to have some applications. Like you said, it's sold out, and I'm sure Morpheus will do well, or PlayStation VR, whatever. I mean, uh, and PlayStation VR is... It is and always was going to be the one of the big three that is the best position to to be a quote unquote mass market. It's here's still here's a fun fact for you. Do you know what also launched at five hundred ninety nine US dollars that wasn't the PS3? The first iPhone. I've just yep. fucking mentioned it, and the f- yep. I just looked it up. The first iPhone cost five hundred ninety nine US dollars, and now you can get a fucking smartphone for a hundred quid. You know, like come on. Yeah, it's, again, it's one of those people who, you know, there are people who have unreasonable expectations. And to be fair, there are certain quotes out there from um, Paul Moriarty, which made it seem like... Yeah, I mean, Oculus could have done a better job with the messaging. They've admitted that. But at the end of the day, it's more important that they get the technology right than that yeah. they hit a price. Because if, if you get VR wrong, nobody will back. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Like, if someone puts on that helmet and they're like, I don't get it, it's laggy... It doesn't look good. The resolution's too low. I'm just getting sick. 
you just lost someone probably forever. So, you know, or you at least made it very hard to bring that person back. So it's very important that you nail the product. Every time someone puts it on, they're like, holy crap, this is amazing. I can't afford it right now, but this is so cool. A couple years down the line, okay, VR is now $200 or whatever, I'm in. You know, like that's that's going to be, that's what these VR companies want. Yeah, it's it's just that not, not with VR, um, and, and 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 let's be honest. There's no, I was gonna say there's no thought in think pieces, but I do hate the think pieces. There are people. Oh, VR is dead on arrival, it's, or and they, it's this VR. What I I think the problem is people are were is people want that next evolution in gaming, which is fine, and they put so much faith on VR being it. And I always said I don't think VR was this generation. Yeah, and, and, and VR is not, I mean, VR, for all the great things it does, there's a lot that it doesn't do well that current technology does. Like, I don't, I don't know, maybe you guys can speak to this too, but I don't think it'll ever be a replacement. It's an alternative. I, 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 I think I said this before. We've had discussions on VR on the show before. To me, uh, VR has a lot more interest in applications outside of gaming, and I think that's where it's going to shine stuff like, you know, like movies, entertainment, um, you know, for more practical uses or, I guess, more, um, but, you know, hospitals, military training, stuff like that, where you can simulate a battlefield inside a person's head. But, like, the gaming applications isn't going to be there for a while because, like, even right now, who's supporting it? Like, none of the big developers are supporting it. And, you know, somebody's going to say you don't need the big developers because that creativity comes from the little guys, which might be true. I guess that's still... why the Vita is so successful. But, yeah, you also, you also need people with money. You need <sighs> you need your EA, you need your Ubisoft, you need your Activision, because they are the ones who can invest the time and money into making something that would be worthwhile for the mainstream and not something that they, something that's well off for like one or two people. Um, and they have the money to market it as well. Because VR is going to be a tough thing to market because you can't really... I don't want to market it in public. I don't want to no. put my head in something else that somebody else... I mean, I've seen controls so, at Best Buy. I don't want to touch it. I don't put my yeah. head in something. Well, every and, demo, that's, that's every demo I've had... Show what the experience is. It's yeah, every, every, and every demo I've had, uh, they've sprayed like antibacterial stuff on yeah. it between uses and stuff, and it's just that's, like... That's very controlled. It's yeah. in a retail setting. Like, unless they have somebody there every day, you know how the retail setting is going to be. Like, they're, they're probably going to send it with those recommendations, but you know that's not going to happen. Yeah, but, yeah. just uh, the price will come down in a couple of years. It'll be you know like half the price, if not you know seventy five percent or something like that. You know, it's not going to get any more expensive than that because then then. If somebody does release a, a device that's more expensive than that, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. And right now, it's being backed by companies that can afford to take the loss. You know, Facebook has all the money in the world. Valve has all the money in the world. You know, I think Palmer even said that they don't expect to make money off of this. Yeah, it, like when a company is actually saying that, you know, it's true because companies are all about making money. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and it's, it's just it's it's a high end experience. Yeah, and the it same way that even without VR, you will have there's plenty of consumers out there, and yes, they're not the masses, they're a niche, but there's plenty of consumers out there who'll pay six hundred dollars 
just for a graphics card. So <laughs> yeah, to say they won't pay six hundred dollars for well, I mean, you don't like have this. to say that because, like you said, like it's not even the first what three or four months of Oculus are sold out already. Yeah. So it's like I mean, you don't. Have, there's a market there. They see that, and like, yeah, it will come down in price in due time. It's just not yeah. right now, which is and, again, and it'll start this year. Like maybe not with Oculus, but um, and and nobody knows what the PlayStation VR is going to cost yet. But the total cost of acquiring a PlayStation VR is going to be significantly lower, just by virtue of that it's going to be on a console. It's it's on a device that is designed to be mass market. So, so I mean. So that has its own hurdles. Of course, of course. There's gonna there's gonna inevitably be differences, but you know the same way that you have differences between PS4 now and a high end, you know, like twelve hundred dollar PC now. But that's that's the other thing is you know I, I I've seen people say like oh well Oculus is like you know like you said shooting themselves in the foot like Sony's gonna win this and it's like they're not really competing they're complementary. Yeah, and, and I think that I, I think and this is a problem that every industry has. It's this mentality that it's us versus them. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's, like, it's where, like, honestly, it's a race for the, it's a race for the technology. It's not like, okay, it's either Sony VR is going to take off or Oculus. And I was like, like, yes, everybody wants to be the market eater, but at this stage in the game right now, all it is is like trying to build a market for VR in general. It yeah. doesn't matter who does it first. Um, because ultimately, like Daniel says, um, like somebody can come in and undercut your price and offer some of your technology. I mean, you know, like you mentioned iPhone, and you know, like iPhone is still a huge thing, but Android's kind of the big market share either because you can offer so many low-cost alternatives than you can to an iPhone. Yeah, I mean, it's... Sometimes I'm just like you people are dummies. <laughs> well, I, I I think people like being I think people like being outraged. Like I said, I said my yeah. part. I I mean I I'm not that interested in VR. Six hundred bucks isn't gonna wasn't like even honestly even if it was four hundred it still wouldn't have changed my mind. Like exactly. it was like if it was a hundred okay we'll see we'll think about it. But like there's there's a window where it's like it didn't matter it didn't really matter if it was three hundred to six hundred. Because, you know, that's just the entry cost. That's not talking about building a high-end PC or anything like that. So it, this is for a very specific market. It always has been. But the people who were surprised by it, again, were the people who were like, this is VR's year. And, and frankly, like, they're the people who weren't going to buy it anyway. Yeah, and like I said, there's people who just like, just like to be part of the outrage cycle. Yeah. And everybody who wants to do their think pieces, because that's the only thing we can do nowadays is react. Okay. Um, so what were you going to say? I, um, I guess there's any other news you want to touch on real quick. Um, was there another news? What did I say earlier? Wasn't there one other thing? I don't think there was any major, major news. Um, no, just causal sales figures, but that's... Yeah. That's not really worth it. PlayStation floors continue to win. We use yeah. Microsoft is somewhere in between the two of them. I mean, that's been the story for the past two and a half years. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing changing, and frankly, like, it doesn't really matter because, like, like you alluded to earlier, like, well, I guess Nintendo might be maybe an outlier in this, but but like the Xbox and PlayStation are both doing really well. 
sure, the PS4 is doing insanely well. Like, it's outselling the PS2, or the pace of the PS2 right now. But, um, you know, both of them are doing significantly better than, you know, the last generation. I think that's good for everybody. Well, I mean, but, well, that's a discussion for another day. I am curious yeah. to see how the back end does, because the big part of the Xbox 360 and the PS3 was the... Um, invitation, the you know, introduction of Connect and PlayStation Move, which kind of gave them a longer tail. But that's a discussion. That's going to be Oculus Rift and PlayStation VR. <laughs> well, I mean, but, oh yeah, Oculus does work with the Xbox One. It does uh, well, not. It, it does. It does. a PC yeah. in between them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it. I would guess it will work eventually, but that's not probably going to happen this year. <laughs> We shall see, but yeah, I mean, it is. It sales are what like, at this point there isn't a new narrative. I guess somehow Microsoft comes back or Nintendo reinvents. I mean, I guess the NX will change stuff at the whenever that's out. But I'm not playing that speculation game anymore. Uh, I've we'll, we'll, way too many console launches in my life. We'll find out about the NX. And we'll find out about it. We'll, we'll talk about it then. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think. You know, there's there's just there's a lot of good games out right now on every, wh- however you want to play them. You know, whether that's Wii U, Xbox One, PS4, PC, mobile, like it's just there's there's like too much. <laughs> but it's and, and there's a lot coming this year, so Yeah, yeah. And again, kinda of for a quick conversation, if you want Nerds on the Rocks, we have our year in preview. We look at all the big movies, T V shows and games that are coming out this year, this week. Um, so yeah, I mean, is there anything else you gentlemen want to talk about? Can I just say that playing an RPG after playing Fallout 4 for 105 hours is fucking great. Like, I was say, it's nice. Fallout RPG? No, it's fucking not. <laughs> it is not. You need to be able to roleplay for it to be an RPG, and you can't roleplay in Fallout 4 for Toffee. And it's nice being able to tell somebody to fuck off in Nice Roll Project 2. So if you, if you, I suggest everybody who has put a lot of time into Fallout 4, go and play an RPG because it, it, you'll like it. Go and play a real RPG because Fallout 4 is not an RPG. Okay then. Um, so yeah, we are still working on it behind the scenes, but we will be back next time with our 2015 recap. It's not going to be a traditional Game of the Year show, but we haven't really form- finalized the formula for that either. Um, until then, I don't think there's anything major happening this week. We'll see. Let's hope not. Um, so, yes, for Jason, Daniel, and myself, this has been Duel with an episode 188 for the first week of 2016. Woo! Hope Carl is happy. I cross the raging sea 
Stop. 